0: Welcome to another episode of the Go With John show. I'm John Jorgensen, and today, coming to you solo, my team has been asking me to talk about the 18 months my uh, family and I spent living in an RV. And I was convinced by my team that it was real estate related because it was my home. I did live there with my family for 18 months and you know, there were a lot of interesting things that that came about it. So how did it all happen? So uh, my wife and I had always planned on buying an RV when our kids went to college, which was, you know, four years from when we actually did it. And when COVID came along, we had an opportunity to purchase a uh, 38 BA was the floor plan 38 B I'm sorry it was a 37 BA Tiffin motorhome bus and it was 38 feet long and it was it was quite a shock moving out of our house in McLean Virginia which was fairly large and into a 300 square foot bus and you know at first it was a lot of fun, and it was really exciting. And uh, we got on the road. It was COVID. Everybody was locked down. And we were working and going to school from, from the RV. And I think the first challenge we had, I'm going to talk about some of the challenges, and I'm going to talk about some of the great things about it. You know, The first challenge we had was the Wi-Fi connections and the opportunity to c- connect to the Internet was not... Nearly as good as I expected it to be. So my vision was that we were going to be able to drive around and, you know, park at campsites and park at, uh, at, you know, there's a lot of class A where you have to have a class A RV, which is kind of the bus style to even get into them. And I thought we'd be able to park at campsites in these class A resorts and tap into the internet and go to school and work at these facilities. And it turns out a lot of these places have a wifi, an internet connection, right? And then they set up a Wi-Fi hub and everybody connects to the same Wi-Fi router. And as soon as you get 10 or 15 or 20 people trying to use one connection it slows down and bogs down and the video glitches and if never mind if you get two or three hundred people trying to get on you can't even get on to the internet so that that was really frustrating so the first thing we did is we bought one of these wine guard dishes that you put on the roof of your 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 bus and it allows you to get kind of like a hot spot right inside your bus So I tried that. That didn't work out as well as I expected either. However, I will say that a lot of my friends that I made along the way and some other folks that I know that that live in their RVs are very, very happy with their Winegard internet connection. So I did not have the same luck that they had. So I don't know if it was something that I was doing technically wrong or if my expectations were higher than theirs. But when I get online and I'm doing a a video conference meeting, I expect to be able to have the meeting without the internet glitching at all. And maybe the other folks are using their internet connection differently than I was. So I, I was, you know, again, this was two years ago, right? We're talking 2020, right when COVID started. And now we're, I'm having this conversation in 22 and and things may very well have improved over the last couple of years. So, so that was a challenge. And how I finally solved it for me was I just started using the hotspot on my phone. So if we didn't have five bars or four bars on our phone, wherever we would park, we we would go like if I had a meeting or if the kids had to go to school, we would go to a Walmart parking lot and we would throw out one of the slides. My wife would turn on her hotspot. We would turn on a hotspot for the iPad. Each one of the kids would log on to a separate hotspot. I could use my hotspot for my meetings and it actually worked out really well. It just took us a while Um, to, to figure that out. So kind of once we got into the kind of the mechanics of being able to work in the bus, it didn't take us long to figure out that the hard part about being in an RV is the, the moving and, and it's the, the transition from parking to moving and moving to parking. And I'm not talking about necessarily parking at a Walmart when you're sitting there trying to do school or a meeting, uh, for the day. You know, it's when you get to a campground, you get to a campground or you get to a parking space. It takes a lot of energy to set up your RV so so you can live in it. Right. So when, when you're going down the road, here's another misconception I had i see these buses going down the road and people and my vision is that everybody's inside the bus they're watching tv people are in the back you know working or somebody's you know you can sleep in in the in the uh bed while the bus is going down the road and it's really not the case i mean when you're moving this massive vehicle down the road the wind blows you around it's it's uh it's interesting to drive which i'll talk about that um in in the next segment after we take a break but when you're going down the road you're really just kind of in a giant car you're you're somebody's got to drive it you typically have somebody in the passenger seat and then i had my in my case i had my two kids uh right behind the the driver's seat in a uh on a couch that had seat belts on it and uh, they would watch tv or they would try to do something while we were going down the road but it really the the travel time in the bus moving down the road was not nearly as productive as i expected it to be i thought you know my wife would be able to drive and i would be able to work which which actually did happen um you know more often than not but the quality of the work time was not as great as i I thought i'd be totally relaxed like when you're on an airplane (laughs) not the case so you know the the driving of the bus which i'll talk about in 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 the next segment is a really interesting um exercise but, but overall, I think the, 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 the two biggest misconceptions, actually the three biggest misconceptions were ability to connect to the Wi-Fi, ability to work in the bus, and then what it was actually like to be, you know, kind of going down the road in in the bus while you're doing it. But there are a lot of great, great things that came out of, of spending time in the bus with my family. I mean, you know, I always say to everybody and it's kind of tongue in cheek, but it's true if if you want to get to know your family really well, move everybody into a little bus and live there for 18 months because you will get to know every aspect of everybody's personality Really well, and I, you know, fortunately in our family we all get along really well. Certainly, we have our tensions, and when you get everybody cramped into a little space like that, especially for three, four, five days in a row, if you're moving, parking, moving, parking, you know, and you're you're traveling every day, you know, it can get tough uh, for sure. But I mean, we look back on it; it was a great experience uh, for our family. We have, you know, ninety percent great memories of our time in the bus and we have 10 percent of the time that we want to forget, (laughs) you know, and I think any any family would have would have the same thing. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I'm going to talk about driving the bus and I'm going to talk about some of the other experiences we had while we were living. We call it our covid. We call it the covid bus. All right. We'll be right back. All right, so welcome back. Still here talking about our family experience in the RV. And I I think one of the most notable things was when I was doing my research and I was trying to figure out if I was really going to do this or not, I learned that different states have different requirements for licensing RV drivers. And Virginia did not require an RV driver's license. And that's really interesting to me because I think they should. So basically, I'd never driven a bus before in my life. I went to the RV dealership. I bought the RV. And they basically tossed me the keys and say, here you go. And uh, I'm like, well, I've never driven this thing before. Uh, How do I drive it? They're like, yeah, take it for a couple laps around the parking lot and you'll be good. But I'm like... uh, Wow! So I did. I had my wife and kids stand in the uh, in the dealership entryway while I did it. I'm like, okay, well, let me drive this thing on my own first. And uh, took two laps around the parking lot. I loaded up the family and we went down the road. So the first thing that happened as we're driving down the highway. I'm probably going 55, 60 miles an hour thinking, "Okay, this is good. It's easy. It's it's smooth. We're riding on airbags. We're kind of bouncing up and down a little bit. And it, you know, definitely felt really soupy. And then all of a sudden, an 18 wheeler went passing by and it literally blew me off the road. And I was probably four to six feet off to the side of the shoulder. My wife is screaming. She thinks we're going down in the ditch. It was a very traumatic experience. And I was like, holy moly, that was crazy, right? And I thought it was an anomaly. And um, so I get back in my lane, and I, now i now my my adrenaline's up. I've got two hands on the wheel, and we're driving. And I'm on 95 in, in you know I'm going north on 95 from Richmond up towards towards DC. And then another eighteen wheeler passes us. Same thing. I get blown off the road, but this time I'm ready for it because I can kind of feel it coming now. Now I start to get the sensation, you know, and it kind of feels like the back end of the bus gets pushed to the right and then you know i was steering to the right because instinctively you know if you're driving on snow and your vehicle starts to skid to the right you steer into the you steer into the skid well not when you're driving a bus that's the wrong move so uh i i start to figure out when the back of the bus uh goes to the right i've got to hold the wheel you know strong and then as the 18 uh, wheeler or any big truck, right? Because there's, there's, you really feel the wind pressure from the vehicle passing you. So as that big vehicle gets to the front of your bus, you really have to steer left into it. I'll bet you it took me six months to really get comfortable with having these big rigs uh, pass you. You know it was it was uh it was probably the worst worst thing about getting into the rv lifestyle was not being ready for that and i think part of it is that i started my first rv was my biggest rv and i didn't have any experience with smaller rvs and if i had it probably wouldn't have been such a shock but along the way in my travels, I met lots and lots and lots and lots of people who just went out and bought a bus and they never had a bus before. And they had the same experience, you know, that I had. So in my conversations with other folks along the way, I did learn that buses that have a tag axle, which means that you've got three rows of tires instead of two rows of tires, right? So you have a you have a front, you have your front wheels, right, that steer the bus. Then you have your back wheels, which that first row is normally four tires, right? Two tires on each side. And a tag axle is when you have another set of tires behind that that give you stability, right? And there's just two tires in that third row. It's called a tag axle. So the folks that had a tag axle said that made a big difference with regard uh, to the stability of the of their RV while they were being passed by um, 18 wheelers. So that's just something to think about. If you're if you're trying to figure out, do I want, you know, there's a lot of considerations uh, that you have to take into, into mind when you're trying to buy an RV. You know, when you start getting up in that 37, 38, 39, 40 foot length, Uh, You know, if if you're going to do more than 38 feet, I would uh, certainly get a tag axle. If I were ever going to get another bus, my wife and I have both agreed it's going to have a tag axle because we just want more stability down the road. It'll be a little more relaxing. However, I will add that I totally got completely comfortable with 18-wheelers passing me. It really became just second nature. You know, didn't even think about it. They're passing, and I was able to hold the bus steady in my lane, but it took took a little while. So... You know, one other thing that I think was something that that I'll that I'll talk about is you know when you pull into a campground or you pull into a to to a to a, an RV resort, a lot of these places call themselves resorts. I I I, I challenge some of them <laughs> uh, for using that terminology, but uh, <clears throat> I will uh, play along. Uh, when you pull in. And you've got to set up your bus. That's that's an interesting exercise. And, you know, one guy or one gal doing it on your own, it's really a lot of work. You know, I, I enlisted my kids and we, we got to the point where we could do it really in 15 or 20 minutes. But you got to pull in. Our bus had auto leveling jacks, which was great. You could just push a button and these jacks would go down and kind of lift the bus up in the air a little bit. So it was kind of on solid ground. Then you've got to hook up your sewer line, which I think you can all imagine is um, not the most pleasant thing to do. There's definitely some learning curves there, which I'm not going to talk about on this episode because, frankly, it's just uh, disgusting. But once you get the hang of it, you've got some big rubber gloves on and uh, you get it hooked up and not hooked up. It's all good you hook up your water line you got to plug in your electric and then you know you have to switch over to shore power you get your air conditioners on you get your slides out and your slides are those things that kind of pop out that make your bus uh bigger i think almost all rvs have slides even trailers and smaller rvs so so then you get your kind of your living space set up and then you've got to deal with all the stuff that got messed up while you were driving down the road which which you, you know, you get better and better and better at it when you have a whole bunch of dishes in the cabinet and you open the cabinet and they all fall out. You learn not to put the dishes back in the way you did it before. But there's all these learning curves uh, that you have to go through. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is you want as little in your RV as possible. You have to be a minimalist. You want as little, you know, when you got four people, it's, it's hard. And in our scenario, our kids had to make their bed every night because we had a sleep, we had a sleeper sofa. So the kids had to sleep on the sleeper sofa and we had one bed in the back. So we had a king size bed in the back where my wife and I would sleep. And every single night, the kids had to pull out the sleeper sofa, make the bed. But now we couldn't use the whole front half of the bus because the bed was there. You couldn't even really walk, up to the to the driver's seat and the passenger seat without literally climbing over the bed. And then in the morning when they woke up, you had to put it all away, fold it up, put the cushions back. Right. And then you've got kind of the the couch cushions are laying around on top of the dinette that we had. So the bus, when you're in sleep mode, is not really usable. So when you when you decide to go to sleep mode, everybody's kind of be in their bed. That that's an R bus right now, there are buses out there that have bunk bed floor plans in them. And the more research I did about that, I decided that the bunk beds were not right for us for a couple of reasons. Number one, they were not very long. And my my kids are 14 years old now and they're already almost six feet tall. It's unbelievable. You know, I think those bunk beds that are in there are maybe five, five and a half feet tall. Don't hold me to that, but do your research on that if you're thinking about buying a bus for the kids to sleep. But in talking to folks over the years, I have heard people tell me, and I've heard people tell other people don't get the bunk bed configuration unless you've got little kids and you plan to do a lot of traveling. Because once the kids get to a certain size, they can't sleep in there anyway. And now you have all this space which is very valuable in a bus every inch is valuable now you have all this space that's dedicated to beds that you can't use for anything else other than storage right so i hear folks would start to use that that area for storage so for us it wasn't the right uh choice to uh to to go the uh the bunk bed route but for other folks it would be so there's a lot of personal Uh, decisions that you have to make, you know, another another decision you have to make if you're thinking about going this route is, do you want the dinette or which which a lot of people don't do anymore? Uh, We liked it because we could use it while we were going down the road uh, to work, I would sit at the dinette and actually work while my wife would be driving. And uh, we had seatbelts at the dinette. So we could and you know, that's another thing. I'll just digress for a second. How many people can you seat in your bus with seatbelts? So they'll tell you at the dealership, ah, nobody really wears seatbelts when you're going down the road. You know, I just feel differently. I wanted to have my passengers belted in. And in our particular bus, I think we could seat easily seven. Let's see, we had one, two, in the front right driver's side passenger side we had two or two seat belts on the um couch and then we had four seat belts on the dinette so we could have eight right two four six eight we could have eight people seat belted into our bus going down the road which is really unusual there aren't very many buses that that have that many belts in it um you know so you know we were thinking about um using the bus going down the road being able to do homework being able to do business work while the bus was moving and you know again i think i already said it earlier You know, but that that was a misconception, Um, you know, living in the bus and operating in the bus while it's going down the road is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Internet connectivity was a lot harder and just physically trying to work in that thing when you're worried about an 18 wheeler blowing you off the road. I mean, it's hard to relax and and do anything when you're when you're going down the road. So so. You know, another thing that you're going to want to consider if you're going to do a bus is do I do the the diesel engine or do I do the gasoline engine? Like, I personally have been a diesel guy since the beginning of time. Since I could afford my first uh, diesel engine, uh, I've always had diesel. And, you know, when I was really young and I bought my first truck, I couldn't afford diesel. The diesel engine was $5,000 more um than a truck with a with a gas engine, so I just had to i just had to buy gas fueled vehicles once I got into my first diesel vehicle it really was amazing at at how incredibly easy it is to maintain and how long it lasts i mean you can do your own research on this, but the diesel engines are just phenomenal they don't they don't get old and tired they get they get stronger and better as they age, in my opinion, right? Do your own homework. I'm not uh, certainly uh, pretending to be an expert on diesel engines, but I have been driving diesel trucks and and diesel equipment, you know, for 25 years. And when I, when I went to buy an RV, I wouldn't even consider a gas uh, engine. Now, the diesel RV, I think, adds about, at the time, it was about $50,000 more for a diesel engine in the bus but for me the quality of the ride it's heavier it you know it's a diesel pusher so the engines in the back pushing the bus versus the gas engine in the front which is pulling the bus and you know when you have the gas engine in the front you've got the engine right underneath you while you're driving down the road so it's louder i believe you have heat that comes into the bus from the engine um you know so so all things considered, for me, a gasoline engine wasn't even an option. But you have to you have to decide how are you going to use the bus. So when I bought it, I thought we were going to be on the road, working on the road, moving around a lot more uh, than we found out was practical. So if you're going to buy an RV and you're going to drive it <clears throat> two or three or four hours and you're going to park it for a week to go on vacation, then I would do the gas engine, right? But if you're going to be traveling the country and – you're you're living in this thing full time Then I wouldn't even consider a gas engine. That's that's just me. But think about how you're going to use it. And what is it going to be for you? And and I'm going to add, you know, one other thing, which which, you know, comes from my experience in real estate. Don't only think about how you're going to use it today. How are you going to be using it four or five years from now? Right. So if you have 12 year old kids and you're thinking, wow, the bunk beds would be great for them. Well, when they're 16, those bunk beds probably won't be so great for them. So try to see how long do you think you're going to keep this bus? How are you going to be using it? And who's going to be in it with you? You know, if you've got lots of grandkids and you're going to have different ki- grandkids traveling with you all the time or or staying with you, then the bunk beds may be a great choice. Right. So it's uh, everybody's different. And, you know, my decisions were based on me and my family and and things like that. So so that that's a lot about the, the mechanics of how we got into it. And, uh you know, some of, the, some of the, my experiences with the bus and, and interacting with the bus. And, you know, I'll close this segment out and then I'm going to come back and I'll tell a couple stories in the last segment. You know, another, I'm trying to focus on my misconceptions, right? Because everybody turns on, I think, not everybody, anybody who's thinking about getting an RV one day will watch the RV TV shows, which by the way, we used to watch in our family all the time we had them on all the time and then we bought the rv and we haven't watched one since (laughs) not one and let me tell you why because they are not giving you the real deal if you want to learn about i mean this is the best advice i could give anyone because we got into this rv and then you're at the campground and then some kind of warning light comes on or your The worst thing, the worst thing ever is like your black water tank fills up. Now, your black water tank is where all your uh, black sewage goes. You can figure it out for yourself. And, you know, you open up a valve, you drain it, and then you close the valve, and then it's just supposed to work again. Well, so think about it for a second. So in this little 300-square-foot bus, we had two bathrooms, we had one shower, we had three sinks, we had two toilets we had so think about all this equipment right there are so many hundreds of things that can go wrong and they never ever ever talk about a single one of them in these RV shows. I don't care what RV show you're watching. The only thing they show you is people going down the road, watching movies in the back of the bus, campgrounds, hiking, riding your bikes, canoeing on beautiful lakes, uh, traveling through the mountains, enjoying amazing views and meeting people along the way, right? I think that's the best way I can sum it up in 15 seconds. Then you get in your bus, you're sitting there and your black water tank won't drain and you get this warning light. So you get your phone out and you start searching up, okay, black water tank won't drain. Now you get a hundred videos with a hundred different guys and gals giving you all these different explanations on how to cure this problem. This is when the reality of living in your RV sets in. You're like, huh, I never came across any of these videos when I was doing my research on an RV. And you know you can you can start searching up online if you really want to know what it is to live in an rv start searching up you know how 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 to uh my leveling jacks aren't working let me just try to think off the top of my head some of the things we ran into so i would say search up satellite dish connectivity issues right I i can't get my wine guard to connect uh black water tank not draining or toilets won't flush or, you know, once you start searching up stuff, you're going to start coming across uh, people who have dedicated YouTube channels to how to fix all the things that go wrong in your RV. If you want to learn what it is to be in an RV and live in an RV and spend a lot of time in an RV, watch those channels before you buy an RV. Because if I had I would have probably had a much more realistic view of what it is to 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 live in an RV for uh, eighteen months. The fantasy would have been quashed uh, before I ever put my first uh, mile. I, I still think I would have done it right, but I would have been more educated about what it is. And I and I think my estimation, and this is not based on anything but my own opinion and just the people I met along the way. Probably 70 or 80 percent of all the folks that are driving around in an RV bus started out in a tent and then they went to a camping trailer. Then they went to maybe a, a large trailer. Then maybe they went to a small class C RV. Right. People just kind of graduate to the next level and they know all about camping and they know all about this stuff before they even get to to the bus. Uh, you know, but I would, I would say there's probably 20 or 30% of the people out there that just, you know, they go through their whole lives and they're like, yeah, one day I'm going to buy an RV and I, uh, I, um, I'm going to move into this thing and it's going to be great. And I think for those folks, uh, I would advise spend some time on the YouTube channels, find the channels that tell you how to fix things and learn what it is. Cause literally you cannot call, you have to be able to solve some of your own uh challenges with um with your bus because those RV mechanics are expensive, you can't always get them, they don't show up sometimes for three, four, five days. And a lot of these things you can fix yourself. You've got to like to tinker and uh work on things, and I'll tell you if, if you don't there are going to be a million people around you at wherever you are parked that are going to be uh, savvy at how to fix problems and a lot of these folks love to help other people there's a lot of retired folks out there that know their bus inside and out and if you start having a problem and you start asking around the campground or the resort or wherever you are they will come out of the woodwork to help you and i will say the, the the number one greatest thing about the RV lifestyle is the people you meet along the way. And there there is, uh, you, you know, I, I, I I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and close out and I'll just wrap up with some happy thoughts. Um, but but arguably I met some really great people, some really interesting people, people I would have never met in my in my life. And uh, I'll talk about that right when we come back after this break. All right. So just to kind of wrap up, I'm going to, you know, I've talked a lot about, you know, the thinking that went into buying an RV and driving it and all of that. Um, you know, I'm going to add one thing about driving an RV. Do not pull into any parking lot where you are not a hundred percent convinced that you're going to be able to get out. I, I I never got stuck, but I pulled into a Starbucks one time and I thought I, cause I was kind of looking at it from the road. I'm like, Oh yeah, I can get through it. I can get through there. Well, I got into that parking lot and I couldn't get out. I couldn't back up. I got cars behind me, got in the drive-through line and we were stuck there for maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. And uh, the only way I was able to get my bus out of that parking lot, and I had people blocked in. you know, So you can imagine there's cars parked, I pull the bus in, there's a drive-through line coming in behind me so I can't back up. So I had to wait for like four or five people to leave so i could pull in my bus through the parking spaces where cars were parked so i could get through so uh, i only did that once uh but that was quite something too so i you know i'm 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 kind of i hope i'm done with the advice for this episode but uh you know that's another thing then that pay attention before you pull your butts into something make sure you can get it out so so kind of the people along the way i i would i would say that when you um, are are in various different campgrounds and resorts and you get out and you meet people and you ask them, hey, what do you do? Most of them are going to say you're retired. I like to say, well, what kind of work did you do? What What industry were you in? And, you know, I, I have met people from all walks of life. I've met engineers. I've met people that were in, uh, you you know, the, the NASCAR um, industry. I've met uh, I met a, a police officer who was. Uh, working uh, with the LAPD at the time of the uh, O.J. Simpson uh, saga. And, I, you know, I got to talk to him. He was parked right next door to me in a lot. And we, 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 we spent three or four days uh, chatting and we talked about uh, what it was like uh, for him uh, to be a police officer. He was a detective at the time. He wasn't directly working on the case. But, you know, it was interesting to hear his perspective of what was going on within the uh, within the organization at the time. So any, any type of industry that exists, if you are meeting the folks in the campground, you're going to find people from all walks of life. And uh, the stories they have and their perspective they have, is, uh, is amazing. And I think some of the resorts that you're going to go to, you're going to find that there's a lot of people uh, living uh, full time in their RV, they don't even own a house. And that's amazing to me, because I don't, I don't know if I could do that or not. Uh, But, um, you know, and these folks have had a career, and then they've retired, and they've moved into their RV, they have kind of a home base. Uh, one really cool home base that, that I'm aware of is uh, I'm going to uh, throw a plug out for Riverbend Resort in Florida. It's right in LaBelle, Florida. And it is one of the coolest uh, RV resorts that I've ever seen. And there's a lot of people that live there. They're snowbirds and they come down and they live there um in the winter and then they go back to their home in in the northern states uh in the summer and there's a group of people that live there full time and uh i've spent a lot of time at river bend there are some amazing people there i've made some great friends there but this place if you look it up online has an r it has a um rc racetrack where you can race your RC cars. Now you do you do have to be a member of a club to race your cars there. But if you if you're there and you have a remote control car, I'm sure they'd let you join in in a in a certain fashion or not. So um, they have a sailing club where where folks uh, sail remote road con- remote control sailboats on a uh, on a, on a lake. The resort is right on the Caloosahatchee River where they have a boat dock and they've got folks with boats that you can go out and and some of them are happy to bring you on their boat and take you up and down the river. They've got a train set uh, that they set up every winter. When I say winter, it's summer down in Florida, right? So they set up the train set for uh, Christmas and it's really cool. They've got an amazing clubhouse. They do all kinds of events. So. You know, and I'm sure there's other resorts out there. When you get online, you know there's a lot of Facebook groups that have uh, these uh, RV resorts. Well, by the way, I gotta—I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the pickleball club at RV. I'd be—I think I'd be banned from the resort if I didn't mention that because those folks are serious, and I don't play pickleball. But man, they play pickleball and they are competitive and it's amazing and it's and it's a great uh, spirit of of folks down there. And I'm not trying to give you a comprehensive view of Riverbend. Riverbend just happens to be the resort where I've spent the most time and I know the most about it. And I've never been to another resort anywhere that had so many different activities that uh, that Riverbend has. They have a huge pool. They've got two uh, uh, hot tubs and and it's just amazing. It's a really, really cool um, place. But there are other places out there. So when you think about, uh, you know, all the folks that you can meet, they are you know, you're going to meet, you know, ex-police officers, engineers, farmers, uh any any kind of profession you can think of, you're going to meet them, and they're most of the folks I would say are very eager, are open, and and willing to spend time with you, sharing their stories. And as much as you want to hear or learn from other folks, they're 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 out there. All right, I'm going to talk about uh, two really cool things that I think everybody should consider if they're if they're going to go RVing. The the first thing is we never did this, we haven't done it yet, but And my kids might be too old for it now. And uh, but many, 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 many people told me you have got to go do the Disney Wilderness RV experience, because I would always ask people, you know, where should I go? What kind of a great experience did you have somewhere? Was there one place where you went where you think we have to go? I would ask a lot of people that question. And most people came back with, if you've got kids, you've got to do the Disney wilderness experience. I never did it. I haven't done it yet. Uh, But I just want to throw that out there because so many people told me about it along uh, the way that I think you should explore it. And the folks would say to me, it is so cool that you will never even go into the Disney park. That was kind of a reoccurring thing. When you pull your RV in there and you park it, just the campground is so amazing, you're not going to want to leave it. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I did hear it from a lot of people. So I'm going to talk about the, the 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 best trip that we took, that we still talk about uh, today, was we went up to Michigan in, in the RV. And uh, shame on me, but uh, we had the bus, and uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of a rebel in me still, so the governor says, don't come to Traverse City. Then, of course, I think we all know we heard like the next weekend, uh, the governor and her husband and or maybe it was just her husband was was launching his boat and and was boating to Traverse City. Well, I'm like, OK, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. So we're in the bus and we didn't really have anywhere to go. We said, let's go to Traverse City. Right. And that was what drove us there. It was just the, let's just be rebels and go check it out. So this was. Right at the beginning, I think when we were in the throes of COVID, you can obviously timestamp it by when this this conversation happened. It was within a few weeks of of this event. So we got to Traverse City, and uh, we we had a um, you know we we parked at a really really nice uh, resort, really high end, and uh, we we got in our car, which we were towing behind the uh, the RV, and we went to Traverse City. And it was it was a little uptight. There was a lot of uh, I think there were a lot of there was a lot of security down there. Everybody was wearing masks and uh, we didn't really go into any of the stores. We just kind of walked around and checked it out. And then we went back to our to our bus and we're kind of exploring things to do. And uh, there's a lake up there called Lake Charlevoix. And it was amazing. And we started realizing we could rent a boat. And we're like, yeah, that'd be a cool thing to do. So we rented a pontoon boat. And we uh, rented a a tube. And we'd never been tubing before. And we spent, I don't know, four or five hours out on Lake Charlevoix um, tubing, It was it was one of the greatest experiences we've ever had as a family that we would have never had if we hadn't been in an RV and it wasn't planned. And so not only did we tube, but we were on this this pontoon boat had like a 200 horsepower uh, engine on it, so it was pretty fast. But we were able to kind of stroll around this lake on the boat and it was just a really cool, uh, magical uh, place. You know Lake Charlevoix. So here's what uh, here's what if you search it up online. Lake Charlevoix is a lake in Charlevoix County in Michigan. It's the third largest inland lake in the state of Michigan with a surface area of 17,200 acres. So really a cool place. I I can't stress it enough. So that was a lot of fun. We had a great experience. And that was, you know, two years ago. And my kids still talk about Lake Charlevoix today. And I can guarantee you we will find our way back there with or without an RV at some point in our life. So that, that to me, that whole area up there is amazing, amazing. So, um, you know, in closing, I'm going to say, you know, spending 18 months in an RV with your family is not for everyone. That I will certainly say. And it takes, I think, a lot of um, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of structure. It takes a lot of patience. Um, it, it takes a lot of empathy, right? You have to really understand what the other people in the bus are going through and how hard it is for them, because it is hard. I will not sit here and say that it's a, it's a ball of wax. And, you know, there were some stretches of time where, you know, you've got, you know, week after week after week where, It was just massive amounts of stress because we couldn't get online with a clean connection. We couldn't get school assignments turned in. Um, My meetings were glitching and, you know, we we were really questioning our decision. But we, you know, we we kept pounding on finding a solution to our challenges. Uh, We got through them. Uh, We ended up at Riverbend Resort in LaBelle, Florida. We ended up parking the bus there for a long time. Uh, Many, many months we were there. And I learned that parking and existing in one place it is a lot easier than moving around, and you know if you 're moving around every week that 's tough and it's and it was a mistake and, and i didn 't know it at the time you know if you 're going to spend a lot of time in a bus and you 're going to move around, you know I think you want to park for at least two weeks at a time, maybe three, you know because the process of packing everything up, bringing in the slides. And, you know, there's a button on the dash uh, of our on the side, left hand side of our RV that says travel mode. And you push that button and it brings up the jacks and it puts the air back in the airbags so you can drive your bus. And it took me a long time to realize that travel mode is much more than just bringing up the jacks. Travel Travel mode is a mentality. Travel mode is a a way of existing when the bus is moving. Right. You've got to secure your refrigerator. All your food in the refrigerator has to be uh, secured. Bubble wrap. You know, I I, I recommend you put bubble wrap in your fridge to hold everything tight. You know, bringing the buses in, having people in their seatbelts, having your stuff out that you're going to want while you're in travel mode. Because once you go to travel mode, maybe you can't get to some of the storage compartments that are that are uh, under the bus. And, um, you, you know, you're not really you know, you've got to have a DVD player out and ready, accessible and plugged in to a TV if you want your kids to watch TV while you're in travel mode. So travel mode is um, when the bus is being packed up or moving or unpacking. And then you've got kind of camping mode or living mode, which is much more relaxing. Trust me. I mean, I think the the the, the big challenges you come up with when you're in camping are when you get a you get a light that your that your black water tank is full, your gray water tank is full, or for some reason it doesn't drain the way it's supposed to, and you got to deal with something. You learn pretty quickly how to deal with most of the things that come up. And most of the things that come up are easy to deal with. Most of them, once you learn your equipment and you understand how your equipment works, it's pretty easy. So, you know, I I would say um, I will probably never, ever do this again with my kids um, I think that my wife and I, it's highly likely we'll end up uh, with with um, uh, a period of time in our lives where we are RVing again and we had a lot of fun. And I think that for for me, I love meeting people. Right. And I think RVing is something different for everybody. Some people love camping. Some people love hiking. Some people uh, want to be roughing it in the woods. I, like I never went to a single state park. Um. But a lot of people talked about how great the state parks are and they're affordable and you're really getting close to nature and there's not a lot of amenities. And, you know, that wasn't my thing. Um, You know, some people only want to be at class A resorts. They won't even go to another uh, type of campground. You know, me, I like meeting the people along the way. That's my my pleasure is meeting the other folks, hearing their stories, learn, you know, learning. And that's one of the reasons why I have this podcast is, you know, I I, I find the stories uh, fascinating and hopefully I get better and better at bringing them to you. But, um, you know, the RV thing was a thing that we did for COVID. Uh, when somebody told me I had to lock down in my house, I said, this is never going to work for me or my family. Not only am I hyper, my wife is hyper. I got at least one kid who uh, could have managed it very well. But the other one, no way we would have survived in in lockdown. We had to do something. So that was our solution And um, I hope you've enjoyed, you know, hearing some of my stories. Uh, You know, feel free to comment on Facebook if you want to chat more about it. I'm happy to answer uh, any questions that folks have if I can. But there it is. That's my RV story. I did it for my team. I hope you enjoyed it. And that concludes another episode of the Go With John show. Go out there and build something extraordinary.